Today on The Topman Show, Miller Lite embraces feminism and alienates their current customers. Biden wants to ban semi-automatic rifles. Bud Light wants to give you a $20 rebate for a $20 case of beer. EU to allow the Microsoft Activision purchase. Foxconn opens their India factory. Bucky's opens their second store in Kentucky. And Martha Stewart, age 81, is on the Sports Illustrated cover. Also, Brandon Johnson is sworn in as Chicago's new mayor. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource and services company with a special purpose in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice today. Gotta say, he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's that's a joke. If you're an IT leader, business owner, who's a little assistance with your IT, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Bud Light offering people a $20 rebate for a case of beer that they still can't sell. Now, Bud Light, of course, being in hot water recently or for the past 30 days about after they had Dylan Mulvaney, a transactionist, become their brand ambassador in which they paid Dylan more money than most people make in a year for a couple of simple photos. Granted, that's an exceptional ROI from Dylan's input in terms of effort. Granted, there's been a massive boycott with millions of people refusing to drink their piss water. I mean, hops, no, no, legally, it is alcohol, uh, alcoholic beer. Now, nevertheless, it's been about 33 days since their last tweet, so they've been on a media blackout. People have actually gone back to their old videos on YouTube and their old tweets to send them memes and ridicule, basically poke fun at them and how they alienated most of their customer base. And also, people on the left also feel particularly annoyed with Bud Light because Bud Light did not stick with Dill Mulvaney. So there's actually gay bars in Chicago that have profoundly said they will no longer ever sell Bud Light. So brilliantly, they've now alienated both sides of this of the political aisle. And of course, there's a lot of people in the middle wondering, why on earth does this beer have to have a sexual orientation or a message of any political meaning behind it? So they are scrambling, trying to figure out how do they turn around this, how do they just stop the bleeding? Because even in California, even that state and that geography, even those sales numbers are down for Bud Light. It's across the board, but even in those states, it's still decreasing their sales. And there's a lot of people poking fun at this because traditionally, you look at the person who drank Bud Light, college frat guys, blue collar workers, on average, most people would argue heterosexual men was their biggest demographic. And... A lot of people are making fun of them for doing a rebate and coupons because men really don't use coupons. If you look at the demographics of who utilizes coupons, who really enjoys, I know it's kind of a cliche now, but back in the day, actually clipping coupons physically out of the Sunday paper, overwhelmingly females are who are attracted to those types of promotions. Historically speaking, one of the best examples being JCPenney and Bed Bath Beyond, those businesses flourished because moms love the coupons. They love the kind of like the treasure hunt of finding the best deal. Now, most men don't care about coupons and folks like myself value their time quite, I put a premium on my time and no one's really gonna give a damn about a rebate especially. So a coupon takes a little bit of effort. You have to clip it out, show it to the cashier or save it for another day. That's already a barrier of annoyance, but a rebate? How many people, again, what is your time worth? They're going to buy that piss water, I mean Bud Light beer, 
they're going to take it home. Maybe they have to write down the product ID code or the receipt identifier, but they're going to fill out this form, a rebate card, mail it in, pray to God the USPS actually makes it there. And then at that time, they'll send you some money back with a gift card or something like no one is going to do that. Like just no one is going to, no one's going to care that much. So ironically enough or hilariously enough, they have that $20 rebate and some of those cases of beer are like 1998 or 1999 for a case. So $19.99. It's getting to the point where they cannot give it away. And I was actually talking to one of the distributors at my local Walmart where they were restocking the store. And I was talking to him about, you know, the logistics and, you know, what does it go, you know, what's it cost if you have to take the beer back? Because beer does expire. Granted, it does taste like it just expired from the factory with Bud Light. Nevertheless, you do have a lot of foods that they expire. A lot of these stores, like grocery stores, I don't know about the specifics of the Walmart. I didn't go into that detail, but he said on average, most grocery stores, they actually just dump it down the drain when it expires. Now, smaller stores will actually return it to the distributor to return it to the manufacturer. So imagine the cost of, again, you have to move these heavy cans, which of course take time, money, energy, fuel, to transport it to the distributor, to the actual manufacturer. It's a prohibitive process, both fiscally as well as you just think about people's time. So the case is not getting any better for Bud Light. And more and more people are starting to wake up to the fact that, oh yeah, InBev, the parent company in Belgium, they own about 50 to 52 brands of beer. And those brands are also going to be affected as more and more people on the left and the right are starting to boycott that brand. So interesting idea to have a little rebate, but I don't think it's going to do much to turn this trend around. Now, other interesting business news, you have the EU allowing the Microsoft Activision purchase. Now, this is what European regulars say will be, quote, what would be the largest deal in two decades, unquote. It came after negotiating with Microsoft that they would publish third-party games on other consoles so they wouldn't have the exclusive console releases. Now, Activision is already a huge company. They bought Blizzard, one of the largest video game companies in history, best known for making World of Warcraft. So Activision has some of the most successful video game properties ever. Perhaps the most one that is most infamous is Call of Duty. Now it's interesting that the EU is saying this is okay. The UK a couple weeks ago struck it down. And of course Microsoft being a huge global company, they have to get a buy-in or that approval rather from all these regulatory commissions. And the UK is still against, this is about a $69 billion acquisition. And again, the UK specifically, when Microsoft is trying to negotiate with them, they said they didn't care that Microsoft was agreeing to a 10-year period in which they released the titles or the games on multiple consoles. So the UK was saying that's not really a negotiating tactic that, or rather something that they value in that pitch or proposal, so to say. And the US is still a little squeamish about it as well. They're not really not confident because you have the largest software company on the planet who Microsoft, spoiler alert, they own Xbox. They made it internally. Another great example of let engineers do what they do best, have fun. That was a, a side project engineers had at night where they were just working on a video game console and they disrupted the whole industry. Went with Bill, took the project to Bill Gates and now they're the most successful consoles in history. Now, I digress, but it is one of those situations where Microsoft is already an OS in terms of operating system monopoly when you have your computers. I'm not too confident though the US government will allow them to increase their video game footprint with one of the largest, if not the largest, video game publishers and creators. Time shall tell. Now, 
Other electronic business news, you have Foxconn opening up a $500 million factory in India. Now, Foxconn funneled business fact, they're legally known as Han, Han High Precision Industry Co. They're a Taiwanese multinational electronics manufacturer. They make about 70% of the iPhones in the world. And of course, they also make the, many of the components inside of electronics. So every fun little fat, maybe not fat, fun little, um, little exploratory thing I like to do is electronic brakes and the engineers, they can't fix it. Also fun just tearing it apart, getting some screwdriver, you know, getting a screwdriver out, taking the whole thing apart and saying, hey, who actually makes what components, you know, where does it come from? It's a fascinating little fun thing to do if you have broken hardware in the house. Of course, make sure you do it safely, unplug the battery, make sure it's not plugged in the wall, etc. But it'll be interesting to see as they expand their India production. This new factory will employ about 25,000 workers in the first phase. This is according to a tweet by the Indian government. And this also comes one month after Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, met with Indian Prime Minister Nar Narendra, Narendra Modi. And apologize if I'm butchering the name a little bit. And this is a part of a further bigger trend of Apple moving away from their dependence on China. Previously, before COVID, China basically had a monopoly when it comes to Apple manufacturing an overwhelming majority of all their iPhones, iMacs, I don't give a damn, whatever product it's called, it was made there by Foxconn. And China was one of the strictest countries when it comes to lockdowns and the factories, which of course caused a big supply chain issue and Apple is quite concerned. How do we get our products out if they cannot be made? And the businesses that weren't very diversified in terms of global manufacturing, those are the ones who had the biggest constraints and they struggled the most. So it'll be interesting to see as Apple continues to expand how that partnership with India will continue as well. They actually recently opened their first storefront in the country a couple months ago as well. Other interesting businesses, you have Bucky's opening their second location in Kentucky. Bucky's is a Texas phenomenon, one of the most successful convenience stores ever. It has a cult following, thanks partially, I think, to their fun little mascot, it's a little beaver. And personally, I like it just because they have clean restrooms, gas, premium gas is good. And it's almost, it really is an experience. They have everything you need from a road trip perspective, from you know, they have the, you know, cliche, you know, beef jerky, energy drinks, coffee, but they also have their own in-house cooked brisket and other fun little treats that you can get on the road. So it's gaining a huge amount of momentum. They're expanding exponentially. They even have Tesla chargers at the one, I forget which Tesla, look, uh, which Texas location I drove past, but they're also diversifying the company from the traditional fossil fuels. So a lot of people realize, for many who don't know, gas stations, a majority of their profit comes from the convenience branch of the business. It's not the actual fuel. They make a, a little, you know, a couple cents. They make a little bit of money on the fuel, which in aggregate over time with, you know, massive quantities does make a fair amount of profit. But if you look at the pie chart where it comes from, it's the food, the drinks, the beverages, all the, little, the merchandise that they sell. So if you're a prudent business owner and you're thinking about starting a gas station, you want to put a big emphasis on the products you can buy inside the store, making that experience as pleasant as possible, which they, of course, have knocked out of the park. I did a recent LinkedIn poll where I asked, you know, what's your favorite gas stations? And I think because I was writing about Quick Trip opening to a thousandth location, I did a poll of, you know, Quick Trip, Racetrack, or there's a third one. It eludes me at the time, but I actually didn't have Bucky's. And I had about 70 comments. Over half the comments were people asking about Bucky's. 
And in terms of the number of locations, they are not the biggest, that's where they struggle, but the locations they do have are quite large in scale. Now they currently have 45 stores in the US, mainly Texas and the Southern. And this new store will groundbreak on June 5th of, that being a Monday. So it'll be interesting to see, can they keep up with the competition when, I don't think they'll ever beat the others by number of locations since it's a different business model. The other stores are much, if you look at QT, Quick T being Quick Trip or Racetrack, those stores are much, much, much smaller. I venture to say a fifth or a tenth. It, the footprint is quite small, which is also why you don't have a lot of Bucky's in high congested areas like downtowns or even suburbs. They really thrive on the outskirts of towns where you could have that massive footprint where they have more gas pumps than you could possibly count. I've never had to wait for a gas pump when I've gone there, which is awesome and exceptionally great experience. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, it's a little bit of a sad news with Elon having a new Twitter CEO, Linda Yucario, and it appears he'd be he's starting to ban people if you just make fun of her. Now, for those who don't know, she is more left-leaning. If you look at her political statements, who she works with, she's worked with both Trump and Biden in terms of marketing campaigns, so she has a little bit of experience on both sides of the political aisle, and she does follow some people on the right on Twitter, such as Ben Shapiro and other political commentators. But it's interesting to see that Elon's starting to censor people who critique her. So Elon tweeted, quote, as soon as Linda is ready, we will do a spaces where you can ask us anything, unquote. And a Twitter user by the name of Top Lobster, which huge business loss. He apparently does not own a lobster restaurant, which I don't know. I feel like you'd have to be in the seafood industry to have that name. Nevertheless, his response to that tweet was, quote, we prefer you launch Lin Linda into space, unquote. Or is it Lindsay? Nevertheless. Now, apparently, he has screenshots to, to prove this. Top Lobster, his account later said, quote, your account has, was suspended due to violations to our terms of service. After reviewing your reinstatement request for your account, you will not be restored, unquote. And apparently if you search for his account, it would just be a big white blank page that said, this account has been suspended. Now I did it, I did a little search for his account a couple hours ago and it appears, I don't know if it's a duplicate account, but it looks like it's up, but he doesn't have any recent tweets. So maybe they pulled back on them, but it's still not a good sign that, again, that's not, a threat. I mean, I guess Elon does own SpaceX, but I don't think his intent was literally to tell him to send her to space. Although from the literal perspective, he might have just been telling him she'd be an exceptional astronaut. Maybe look at the glass half full. Elon, he's giving you some critique on how to build out the SpaceX team. Probably not, but still, it's just a simple thing where a little critique, and if you look at her path or her history of priorities, She's being brought in to boost the advertising revenue. And one of the suggestions she's had publicly at venues is you can do that by decreasing free speech, also known as censorship. Times will tell and her actions will speak louder than words or perhaps louder than tweets in this case, but hopefully she's had a change of heart or Elon has had a chat with her behind closed doors. Either way, there's a lot of skepticism around this. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Martha Stewart being put on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. 
Now, Martha Stewart is 81 years old. And I'm sorry, 80 is not the new 60 or the new 40 or the new whatever, whatever cliche you want to say. And some are praising her because she's probably had some work done. She appears to somewhat take care of herself, but it is in no way means beautiful in the conventional form or even just logical or traditional in any sense. I mean, if you look at her career path, she's now known for making commercials with Snoop Dogg praising or highlighting the great use of lighters for marijuana or drugs, which is a far far fall from the uh, homesteader she used to be portrayed as. So she's now known for making those cliche commercials with Snoop Dogg where they both have lighters, make jokes that obviously reference um, illegal drugs. And this is by no means the first business blunder of Sports Illustrated. And it's interesting to see the cultural push that they're trying to have done through this. Now, if you look at the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition Facebook page, which is hilarious to say, but I really do mean I used it for educational purposes only because nothing on there will make your heart race. Now, their new logo, if you look at their Facebook profile logo, it literally says, pay with change. And granted, some people still use hard currency in the United States. I don't think they mean change in terms of actual coinage. And this isn't the first controversy, but, but in terms of culture, it seems like more and more and more culture is praising things that are not traditionally beautiful. And it's bizarre to see companies with mu- massive amounts of power shift their whole marketing campaigns and shift their definitions of beauty. Sports Illustrated also had an overweight model on the cover, which a political commentator and psychologist by the name of Jordan Peterson critique it, critiqued. And he was actually, I believe he was banned on Twitter for just being honest and saying no one is attracted to that. Now, those are his words, not mine. I would say 0.000000012% of population is attracted to that. It's not zero. People have different, what, it was a wise man, I think he said different strokes for different folks. There are certainly people who have different things that they're attracted to. But on average, most people are attracted to healthy prospective mates, healthy prospective partners, prospective wives, whatever you want to call the vernacular. There is such a thing as someone who is beautiful in the traditional sense. Again, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition traditionally was specifically targeting heterosexual men. If you look at their audience of who they sold those magazines to. They've also had a trans woman on their cover as well. I think they're doing that again in a couple of weeks. There's just a breaking announcement a couple of hours ago. Further culturally changing what the business of Sports Illustrated considers to be beauty. Again, how many people might buy magazines these days? 0.0333. It, it's a comically small percent. And the only reason they're alive is because of the advertisers that pay money to be in the magazine to keep the cost down. But... It's interesting to see this cultural shift from media and companies completely obliterating what logically used to be the traditional sense of beauty for these new different things. There is such a thing as aging gracefully, but to have her on the cover is such a, a bizarre thing. I just, it perplexes my mind beyond all belief. But time shall tell how much is increases or sales. I'm... I'm pretty pessimistic. Now, going over to the politics part of the podcast, you have Biden saying that he will ban AR-15s. 
recently he went to the 2023 graduation ceremony for Howard University, and which is a predominantly historically African-American university. And in 2023, not 1920 or 1930, but in 2023, during his speech, he said the biggest threat in the United States right now is white supremacy. Also, we need to take your guns. Now, I don't know anyone in terms of, it's just one of those things where I'm sure there are white supremacists out there. There's probably 10 left. I mean, it's morally repugnant, disgusting, but we're, again, I always tell people, show me the racism or show me the bad actors so you could both peacefully protest the companies that support them and them themselves with their actions. But it's one of those things where I always like to tell people capitalism beat racism decades ago. If you look at the most successful companies, they want the greatest sample size for new prospective new hires. They want the greatest number of clients. That means you're not going to alienate a complete sector of that. It's just illogical. You get a smaller sample size, you're not going to get the top candidates. So it's one of those things where I don't feel it's authentic for him to say this. Also, the AR-15 is identical to, to any gun that you've had in the past 100 plus years. It's called... He's trying to push for the assault weapons ban. If you look into the definition of that, again, that term was coined brilliantly and disgustingly by political activists to actually poll people to see what term is the scariest. It certainly isn't accurate considering, again, it's a semi-automatic rifle for most of history. I say, say in all of your history and all my history, that's the overwhelming majority of all guns made. Last, there are a couple companies that make a lever-action rifle, which of course is actuated with a lever, and you have bolt-action rifles and revolvers, but if you look at the volume of all firearms manufactured, a semi-auto is basically all of them. And again, he wants to reenact the, what was it, the 1994 ban, which thankfully the Supreme Court would shoot down a New York Minute, pun somewhat intended. But it's also common use. And again, AR-15s account for, I believe the FBI said it's less than 2% of all homicides. So again, a rifle is a cliche that people say is bad because it looks scary. It does cosmetically look identical to the military one, which is full auto, but unless you have special licenses, or again, you could afford a thirty dollars to $50,000 rifle, thanks to the NFA, also known as National Firearms Act, meaning you had to be in the law, it has to be manufactured and registered with the government before 1984. You have to have to live in a state that allows it. Thanks to that supply-demand curve, machine guns are basically like unicorns. Two or three people, or even, eh, I guess they're not as rare, but you get the gist. Now, other interesting political news, you have Brandon Johnson being sworn in as the new mayor of Chicago. He's the 57th mayor, and during his commencement speech, or his takeover speech, he noted that Chicago has a quote-unquote rich history, which he, he did say with a straight face. I can confirm that. He's taking over for Lori Lightfoot, who presided over one of the highest crime increases. And it's interesting enough, Brandon said, quote, The soul of Chicago tells us we will never close our doors to those who come here searching for a better life, unquote. And he also noted that, quote, that has always been the soul of Chicago. It will always be the soul of Chicago, unquote. Now, I would argue that Chicago is a soul as hellhole with history and as bleak as the weather that is there. But 
he's actually referencing to the influx of immigrants, uh, or more accurately, the refugees who are coming here and they're being transported to the city. And a lot of people in the city are starting to be concerned that the resource allocation is becoming scarcer, 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 because logically you have a finite number of resources, unless you're the government spending money, but most folks have a finite number of resources and theirs are decreasing because you have an increase in number of people utilizing those resources. Now, I feel bad, actually, no, I wouldn't, but people in Chicago, again, the current migration, all those policies are being enacted on the federal level and signed off on. So if you look at who voted in Chicago, in 2022, 97% of the residents voted for Biden. Again, 97%, which makes sense for having one of the DNC conventions there. It is the heart of the DNC. Everyone there, basically, is getting what they vote for. He says the soul of Chicago. Again, I, from a business perspective, I challenge someone to name one business that has moved to Chicago in the past two to three years. Please name one in the comment section. Let me know. But as far as I can tell, businesses are fleeing. The one of the most successful defense contractor, contractors and aviation companies in history, Boeing, left Chicago. Their his, their historical headquarters used to be in Chicago. Even they left. You also have Tyson Foods relocating all their offices out of the city. People are leaving in droves. Somehow, McDonald's is still headquartered in Chicago. I don't know why, since the company likes to give their customers the best return on investment and to be in the city of Chicago is extremely expensive from real estate and a talent perspective since it boggles the mind. But I thought that was interesting, the soul of Chicago. And of course, he's elected to fix the crime that they've had a hundred years to fix. Of course, if you look at historically who's controlled the city, they've had the same political people, Democrats holding the city for about a hundred years. But they voted him, and they'll get exactly what they vote for. I hope he's able to turn around. I've searched some of his political statements. I've looked at some of his political ideals. And personally, I think, I don't know, I'm always skeptical of why someone would highlight race so much in political talk or even talk in general. I'm someone who likes to judge a man by his character and his actions. But for, from his speeches, that's something he likes to emphasize quite a bit. Time shall tell us he's able to turn the city around, but it is pretty big political news that Chicago actually ousted Lori Lightfoot, which again, they voted for her in overwhelming numbers. So time shall tell if they're able to turn the city around, attract businesses, decrease crime. We'll see. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day. Miller Lite is becoming a feminist brand. Why? Well, apparently it was to celebrate National Women's Month or Women's History Month. And they made a commercial, which I find disgusting on a moral level in terms of what they're doing with destroying history, but it's also debatably inaccurate. And let's pull it up so you can take a listen to it. And they thought, again, they thought this was a good idea. Apparently this was released about a month ago before Bud Light had their drastic drinkies in sales, thanks to the Dylan Mulvaney incident. But let me know if this sounds like a commercial that will appeal again to their core clients or customers, or somehow magically gain them an exponential greater amount of new customers. Here's a little known fact. Women were among the very first to brew beer ever. 
they were among the one. So um, if they were among the people to first brew beer, who are the other people there? Could it be men? Yeah, probably. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. Wow. And that's because men buy beer more than women. Makes sense. It's called appealing to your customers. Look at this. Now she's currently walking past some of the most iconic standees in advertising history. Standee being those cardboard cutouts of the attractive women holding Miller Lights. Wild. It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their shit, but the whole beer industry's shit. Miller Lite. So she's currently putting an old advertisement in a shredder. So to her, this reminds me of that book, 1984, where everything must be rewritten in history. And as someone who collects signs, if you're just tuning in, but and you're listening to this on a podcast platform, behind me are some of the most iconic businesses in history, which are defunct. So they're old business signages, and I also like to collect old business advertising materials, partially because advertising fascinates me from a business perspective. It's something that's constantly evolving and ever-moving target, where how do you most effectively increase sales by trying to find a new client or appealing to the current client base? Something I find utterly disgusting is destroying history like that. Has been scouring the internet for all this shit and buying it back so that he can turn it into good shit for women brewers. Literally, good shit. So there's a bag of shit, which it does not have a can and little light or bud light in it. That is strange, but. How you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the badge into compost. No. So I'm not a farmer by trade, but I know how to grow some tomatoes and crap. Now, Compost is supposed to have nutrients, be good for it. If you look at an old standee or an old poster, you have probably hazardous chemicals. It's certainly not natural ink most of the time, I would think, and old cardboard. Not a lot of nutrients. I don't think there's a lot of nutrients in there. Let's let's keep going. This is getting really good. We take compost to warps. Push out beautiful fertilizer. That good helps farmers grow quality hops which has been donated to women brewers to make their own really good sh But there's definitely more shit out there. In your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got to Miller Lite and they'll turn that into good shit too. Oh. So here's to women, because without us, there would be no beer. There'd also be no women if there's no men, but I digress. benefit hundreds of women brewers. Ah, may the boycott begin because you just alienated your current client base. Now, it should be important to note, this is a real campaign. Someone signed off on this thinking it was a good idea. This is also a real link, so you could spend hard-earned dollars on vintage Miller Lite memorabilia, ship it to them, and they will destroy it. Which... I think Sean Connery said it best when it was Indiana Jones' Last Crusade and he was confronting the Nazis talking about, you know, what's so, what's so important in your book, Mr. Jones? He goes, well, it teaches me that And again, no, this will probably hurt many people's ears. He says something to the effect of, he tells me you should read more books than burning them. Which, yeah, 
People who, people who burn books are typically not on the right side of history. I've yet to find a single use case for that. It is true. And is discussing that they would rewrite history by destroying pieces of marketing history, pieces of American history. It built that brand. A lot of people, that's a highlight. It's a piece of marketing material that should be preserved. Should be a, some say it should be a museum, another Indiana Jones cliche reference. But to be proud of the fact that you're destroying history? It, don't get me wrong, every one of these brands is disgustingly doing it with new campaigns and chastising all the other geniuses whose shoulders they stand upon to be where they are today. But to go out of your way to physically destroy pieces of history? That's disgusting. That's even worse than just having a new advertisement, in my opinion. So you're alienating your current clients you're also destroying pieces of history. Some would say that's a cultural blunder as well, but that is certainly the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things really helps the channel out. Appreciate the feedback, also share it. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.